It's episode 26 of the ER Podcast. It's the CEO CFO Report 2021. Kind of the top 10 of top 10 list for 2021. A couple of things. As you may know, when we do a CEO CFO Report, we top load the info. Listen to the first 90 seconds of the podcast and you'll be exposed to all the content with details to follow. Also, as a busy C-level exec, you can find links on the Profit from ERP website to learn more about anything we talk about today. And secondly, saving you more time, even more time, every year end at the start of every new year, we get lists. Top 10 things that happen, top 10 trends of the new year. So we waded through all of that, year in, year start lists, and we've pulled out the best when it comes to business, business software, business efficiency, business productivity. We read through it all so you don't have to. It's all here on the ER Podcast. Here's what we're talking about on the CEO CFO Report 2021. One, there was some huge growth last year among companies who were able to shift quickly to the new markets. Two, we saw digitally driven companies. Companies using cloud-based technology saw the highest growth rates and expansion. Now, we're talking about traditional businesses using cloud technology. People like engine manufacturers, pizza delivery, parts, musical instruments, furniture distributors, even junkyards. (laughs) And if a junkyard can go digital, it's a pretty fair bet that your company has an undiscovered digital advantage just waiting. We're going to talk about how to find it. Number three, good enough is no longer good enough. Many companies were operating on years-old ERP, sometimes even QuickBooks and spreadsheets. And as one client put it, we couldn't keep throwing labor and spreadsheets at the problem. You shouldn't be doing that either. Financial transformation. Often, the finance department is locked into a backward-looking historic company status reporting of what happened last month, often deep into the next month. And with the rapid changes that happened in 2020, Last month could actually be a world that no longer existed. So a balance sheet from another universe was beyond useless. I mean, well, maybe for nostalgia's sake, kind of the way we were, that kind of thing, frame it, put it on the wall. But today, finance is shifting to cloud technology and reporting, not instantly, but close to it with dashboards telling you what happened this morning and and forecasting next week based on the metrics of this week. And, oh yeah, we're closing the books on the 2nd of next month instead of the 17th. A little better there. Number five, today's markets are in flux. Uncertainty is the only thing that we have plenty of. Brand loyalty means zip when the brand you're loyal to can no longer easily do business. As consumers and B2B customers are shifting allegiance, is yours the path of least resistance or... Are you still locked into the way we've always done it? It's kind of recipe one for a closed business of tomorrow. Look, if doing business with your company isn't the easiest possible way to access a product or service, you're particularly vulnerable. And out of stock, that's a lost sale and could be a lost customer for life. There were many losers in 2020, but number eight, one of the winners was technology. From Zoom, which has been under the radar and it's now ubiquitous, to to cloud-based back office systems we've been driving our clients to since 2014. While traditional software companies were spending their time trying to connect their home-based workforce to some VPN somewhere, our digital clients were spending their time reconnecting with customers. And number seven, 80% of the controllers surveyed reported that their companies plan to accelerate digital transformation. New software, new apps in 2021. 
Last year was already a banner year for cloud-based software vendors. And if this metric holds with an 80% quest for new technology, uh, good implementation consultants are going to be in scarce supply. There'll be plenty of backbenchers available, if that's what you're willing to bet your company on, the B team. But if not, you better step up quickly. Profit from ERP can help you do that. We're going to cover these topics. I want to give you the links for more information and sources. And we're going to let you know what Profit from ERP clients are doing with ERP, CRM, AI, BI, and what's going on in the market. So your 2021 plans can be combined with the reality of the 2021 ERP market. And of course, how you too can profit from ERP. We'll be right back with all of it after this word from, well, I I think myself. If you're a new listener to the ER podcast, you might be wondering, what's this all about? I'm Gene Hammonds, director of Profit from ERP. I'm standing in the hangar, the airline hangar of one of our latest clients where they keep these C-130 cargo planes ready to respond to emergencies worldwide. But that's just one of the 400 plus ERP projects we've done over the last few years. And ER podcast is the official podcast of Profit from ERP a consulting firm that focuses on the business uses of software or the business consulting side of software projects, mostly ERP or associated enterprise software such as CRM or HR, business intelligence and AI, supply chain and and so on. We don't sell the software and we don't install the software. We say we just sell the profit that can be made when a company approaches operational software projects the right way. When you do it right, you get profit from ERP. And here's how it works. You may realize your company is drowning in a sea of spreadsheets and nobody's numbers match. And speaking of bodies, there's so many of them around and you're still floundering at month end. So you call in profit from ERP. We do a short engagement to analyze your specific business requirements and recommend two or three ERP vendors that would be well suited to succeed in your industry. We'll also give you a benchmark cost revenue model to show exactly how the new software can make your business more efficient and more profitable. Goals, targets, a roadmap, can't beat it. And we have a network of affiliate partners. They represent every major ERP system and they're run by expert teams who have great reputations from decades in the business. We've worked with these affiliate partners time and time again so we know that they're proven experts. We guide you through the evaluation and the implementation, and then we're there to make sure you achieve the goals you set out to accomplish, the profit from ERP. Having said that, it's incredibly complex when you think about the different companies, industries, the different software systems, and so on. But by bringing you the right affiliate partners, we can help you do it right the first time. And we talk about some of the details right here most weeks on the ER podcast, how you can use ERP, what new software developments are out there. Even if you have a great existing ERP system, you want to know the latest, what's going on. We share some of the tips and tricks learned over the course of hundreds of ERP projects and more going on all the time. For these huge C-130 airplanes to tiny microchips, molecules at pharma manufacturing, food and beverage, furniture, distributors, manufacturers, whatever your business, don't drown in spreadsheets. Send out an SOS via email to info at profitfromerp.com. We'll get you connected with the right lifeline for Profit from ERP. As we say, our clients make ERP pay. 
I couldn't have said it better myself. Hey, welcome back to the ER Podcast. I'm your host, Gene Hammonds, Director of Profit from ERP. So let's just jump right into our stack of stuff here. Up first, when the pandemic hit, we saw digital companies, companies that embrace technology and use tech as a cost-effective business driver, we saw these companies quickly pivot and offer their customers new ways of connecting, new ways of doing business, becoming more easily accessible. The thing was, when everything was locked down and along comes a business that's easier to work with, well, as a consumer, are you going to keep beating your head against a non-functional wall? No. No, you're going to say, hey, at least Costco lets me go touch-free with an app instead of a membership card. I mean, it's just following that path of least resistance. And in ER Podcast, episode 24 and 25, is a case study on one company. It's NiceLink Home Furnishings. They implemented the cloud ERP Acumatica in the middle of the pandemic lockdown and grew substantially by opening new e-commerce avenues. If you miss those episodes, it's well worth going back and giving a listen to NiceLink President Jay Carlson in his own words talk about it. There's a link on the website. Check it out. So you've heard of digital transformation. What's the term mean? Well, for one of our past clients, the Arizona Coyotes, it's using the Clear app so that fans can pass a health screening prior to arriving at the stadium on game day. What would not be digital transformation? That'd be dozens of card tables out in the parking lot of each entrance with stacks of forms and dispensers with big pins so fans could fill out a health questionnaire prior to entry. Now, we don't know if the local authorities are going to cause your customers to need a health questionnaire or not, but we did see the disaster that local regulations can happen with, like the San Francisco 49ers. They had to finish their season playing home games in Arizona. Better the digital response of the Coyotes to regulations requiring forms to attend games and the flexibility to turn on a dime and get that app rolled out. On the other hand, we saw a current group of our profit from ERP clients, despite overwhelming evidence that digital transformation was the key to the future. They just couldn't move. They were too tied to how business ran in the past. And frankly, you know, it brought up concerns. Are these guys going to make it into the new Covidian economy? I mean, the task for these guys wasn't finding the right technology. It was finding the right mindset. Big question. Why can some 19-year-old kid in Silicon Valley keep taking over industry after industry when the real experts of those industry have decades, even lifetimes of experience? Wall Street Journal's recent 2020 review, they had journalist Tom Vanderbilt talking about his new book, You're Never Too Old to Become a Beginner. And it talks about the increased thirst for knowledge that people worldwide are seeking. Online learning has boomed. U.S. grocery stores, they can't keep flour and yeast in stock because people at home have turned to learning to bake their own bread. Now, what Mr. Vanderbilt has found is that researchers have discovered that learning new skills, even for older adults, maintains brain function and increases capacities in various cognitive areas. So even if you're learning something unrelated to work, you're exercising that brain muscle. My own father had a fascination with airplanes growing up in World War II. And finally... At the age of 66, he decided to take flying lessons, qualified as a pilot, and bought his own plane at 67 years of age. The challenge and the rigor of aeronautics kept him really sharp well into his late 80s, which translated very well into his investment advisory services. This is the type of things we're encouraging our clients to embrace, seeking new ways of business operation, learning new skills and technology, and how to reach new market opportunities. 
for those 19-year-old whiz kids up in your entire industry. Check out the links on the website for the Wall Street Journal article, as well as links to Tom Vanderbilt's book, Beginners, The Joy and Transformative Power of Lifelong Learning. Then go out and learn something. Which leads us to our next topic, Fender Guitars. We profiled Fender in an earlier Digital Transformation ER podcast. And the iconic producer of market-leading Stratocasters, Telecasters, amplifiers, bass, and acoustic guitars, they went digital big time. Now, guitar manufacturing is a fairly solid, old technology, and, and amplifiers haven't radically changed since the 1950s. But Fender, they were based with declining worldwide guitar markets on top of a pandemic that shut all their retail outlets for all their products. Fender went digital big time with a program they'd launched earlier. The response has been okay, but when all the other aspects of your business are shut down, you got to focus on what's left. And so they got behind what's called Fender Play in a big way. Fender Play is a series of online guitar lessons to take brand new guitars from the very basics of guitar play through lessons, learning, and practice to become actual guitarists. So think about it. What do you need to sell guitars? Well, it helps if more people are playing guitars. More guitars, more guitars get sold. And if you know anything about people who get serious about guitars, the, the, you know, you listen to them, the correct number of guitars to own is whatever number you currently own plus just one more. <laughs> it's an endless cycle. And if it sounds like that guitar acquisition strategy never ends, well, it never ends. It's just that some guitars control it better than the others. So when the COVID lockdown hits, Fender offered their $99 annual Fender Play lessons for half price for the first 100 people who signed up. They hit that number in three days. 100,000 people signed up. Recently, they revealed they've got over 1 million new subscribers learning guitar through Fender Play. Now, Fender's a private company, but you can run some numbers and estimate if half those new players paid half price and half full price, well, that's north of 60 million in new digitally generated revenue. Not bad for a 600 million annual revenue company. Now, imagine the new market Fender is creating, short-term and long-term. Look at new guitars Fender play enthusiasts will buy. I mean, think about that. Fender normally has a 35% market share of all guitars, so you'd have to think that watching hours of lessons demonstrated on Fender products plus seeing how hundreds of hit songs are using Fender guitars for this sound or that sound, well, you could well have half a million or more new guitarists eyeing a new Fender guitar for their next guitar or amp. So the takeaway is twofold. One, Fender's digital approach shows another way the inventive use of digital technology really reaches today's consumer, and perhaps you should be thinking similarly for your company. And if you're also looking to become a beginner in lifelong learning, like the book we just talked about it, or if you're, you know, it's the quest to be the next Eric Clapton, go for it. Maybe Fender Play is just what you're looking for personally as well. Topic next. So one of the more influential voices in tech is the Software Eats World blog of Andreessen Horowitz. In a recent article, the CFO in crisis mode, modern times call for new tools, everything starts out nicely as they recognize what we've known for some time. Most finance teams spend the majority of their time and resources transacting data, entering or manipulating data. And while the most valuable work of financial planning and strategic finance, it gets short shrift. There's nothing new there. We've been talking about that wasteful situation for a couple of years now. 
But next, they started to talk about the various products a CFO is responsible for, as well, you know, in terms of software. ERP such as NetSuite, and then a dozen other products for payroll and HR, payment processing, billing, tax and treasury, monthly close, FP&A, and so on. Standalone products with different users, training, and not at all integrated. And, you know, that's where they're absolutely right and also very actually wrong. They're talking about the different software products from different vendors, starting with NetSuite, all right? Now, think about something. NetSuite, it's designed to be a network suite of solutions, a network suite, a NetSuite, right? Now, of course, NetSuite was reacquired by Oracle some 18 months ago, which Oracle has taken the leading mid-market ERP cloud product and poured a generous helping of research and development into the product. Andreessen Horowitz presented it as a standalone ERP. Here's the thing. Oracle has developed a fairly robust HR payroll module for NetSuite. It's a new offering, one that's destined to improve through their every six-month update release cycle, but it's quite usable now. Really nice. A lot of our clients like it. Oracle has also taken the historically leading Hyperion FP&A software and tightly integrated it into the core of the NetSuite offering. But here's something else. When it comes to FP&A, the article mentions adaptive planning as a standalone solution. Actually, adaptive planning used to be sold side-by-side -side with NetSuite as NetSuite Advanced Financials. Now, when Oracle acquired them, they, of course, preferred to put Hyperion in there. And Hyperion is a great name and, and very positive. But adaptive planning had been integrated using the same NetSuite technology. So for the users, it simply appeared as another tab on the homepage. The user couldn't tell if they were in native NetSuite or adaptive. The integration was that tight. Flowcast, Avalara, several HR programs, these and many more, all of them integrate similarly. So for Andreessen to say that none of these integrate is not really accurate, but here's where they got it right. Usually, those products are implemented as standalone solutions. Integrations are often very basic and not really hard to do. And I have to tell you, working this concept with hundreds of customers the word integration is shunned more than any other word except maybe its cousin word, customization. Things have changed. We posted a link to a blog post from 2014 where we started a strategy we called Component ERP back then. And, and this was for mid-market companies who have to compete with Fortune 500 providers. The mid-market guys cannot afford SAP Oracle ERP stacks, nor the staff needed to run them. But with made-for-cloud backend software, especially brands like NetSuite and Intact, we were creating a base technology in the back office and linking operational best-of-breed software. So we were using top technology cloud backends, tightly integrating operational component software using the same core technology, and we were able to deliver SAP-level functionality in certain departments for about a tenth of the price. Now, look, I know customization has a bad reputation. There's endless stories of companies that get version locked into systems that couldn't upgrade because they'd been so heavily customized. Customized to a point, well, it seemed like a good idea at the time, but then times changed and the customizations were also outdated. I mean, it turned into expensive handcuffs slowing down the business. Painful all around. But today, it's different because of, of your pocket, or I should say what's in your pocket. I'm talking about your cell phone. Now, if you are an average iPhone user, there's 26 customizations to your iPhone. They're called apps. Apps are completely different, you say. No, an app is simply new, integrated code 
performing a function the base phone did not offer. But they call it an app instead of a customization. NetSuite was written about the same time as iPhone, and they have the same concept of the app store, Suite Apps in NetSuite's case. Over 300 different programs that integrate as easily as the Facebook app works on your iPhone. Now, without going deeper into apps and such, just consider this concept. Just think about the idea. Maybe it could be right. Now, of course, you need to vet any concept that's built around running your business, but just think about it for a little while. Right now, in reality, there are a lot of programs that are being run standalone when they were designed to be integrated. But back to the Andreessen Horowitz article. This is one of the industry leaders in technology and content from their software Eats World podcast and, and A16Z blog. You remember Mark Andreessen. He, was, he had Netscape Navigator back in the browser days. I have no idea who Horowitz is. But now they're a leading VC firm for startups and a ref, they, they're a respected influential name in the tech community. But unlike profit from ERP, they're not dealing with the ERP industry day to day. And what I mean by industry is I mean clients and providers. And what we're trying to say that unless your consultants are hands-on, on the street, working with multiple clients, they'll get parts of the story right, but they're also going to miss the hows and whys. The details about when one add-on solution used to be the go-to and another better solution has emerged you're not going to get that from the high-level content providers. You're going to get that from people that are actually hands-on, like Profit from ERP. What the integration points are and actually doing the integrations for client after client, that's our bread and butter. That's our stock and trade. Look, here's the thing. A single ERP package, while it might seem like a company-wide solution, you could do that for a $20 million to $40 million company. But for most 200 million and up companies, ERP is really just the starting platform. You're going to have a dozen other systems running all kinds of operational functions. And if you do it right, the first system makes your company more profitable or cuts costs. And it pays for itself, leading to the second project, which pays for itself. And the third, all carrying their own financial weight in ROI, all making you more efficient and productive. That's what the profit from ERP value concept is modeled on, an early client that did exactly that. And you can read the success stories on 14 different pieces of software's website, okay? The clients that seek continuous improvement in software and technology and become more efficient with their software paying for themselves. That's hard to beat. Anyway, on to item next. Quick hit on SAP, not to pick on the big guy. But back in October, SAP reported Q3 earnings slowing and had the worst day of trading in 12 years. SAP's valuation dropped by 30 billion euros that day. SAP's answer how they were going to turn things around? Well, they're planning to deliver more of their product via cloud. However, in made-for-cloud software, there was a slight downturn last year. There were some COVID-related slowdowns, but that meant like NetSuite grew at 20% over last year's sales versus their normal 30% year over year. <laughs> I mean, cloud-based NetSuite does very well. And so the thinking is SAP should be on the cloud and they'll do well in the future. Wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> Look, NetSuite was made for cloud, meaning current technology sets, no legacy code, one of the main advantages of NetSuite, you can get it up and running in about 90 to 120 days in a reasonably sized organization. SAP, 
We're talking millions to license, and rollout happens in 18 to 24 months with multi-million dollar upgrades every few years, compared to NetSuite's free upgrades every six months. And granted, there are Fortune 500 companies that do very well with SAP. We still have SAP clients and would not hesitate to recommend SAP to the right situation. But as we talked about in our Digital Transformation series of podcasts in spring of this year, we had Bouchon Parikh, the former CIO and major IT guru at companies like Nike, Avnet, Johnson Controls. His new company is called Get Digital Velocity. And his play during the pandemic was... We can't wait a year and a half to implement new SAP technologies so that we can pivot our clients to react to COVID. But his thought was we can launch NetSuite and tie it into the old SAP system and use the new nimble NetSuite to serve new market segments starting in 90 to 100 days. You can listen to our digital transformation series of ER podcasts. We've got the links on the podcast or on the website, excuse me. But the point is, when the market changes as fast as COVID turned everything upside down, you don't have 24 months to turn Battleship SAP around, but you can launch a couple of NetSuite cruiser destroyers and turn the battle pretty quickly, even if your Battleship is still an important part of the fleet. So was it cloud that kept NetSuite growing while SAP shrunk? Or was it nimble deployment against a multi-year traditional software rollout? You tell me. But here's what I'm telling you. The made-for-cloud ERP software that has been so successful, every traditional ERP vendor has launched a so-called cloud version. But I've got to tell you, putting your legacy code on the cloud and taking it a year to bring up, it's not the same thing as made-for-cloud software. Again, unless you're dealing with the clients that examine and evaluate and uncover these differences, unless you're there every day, you don't see the real reasons why one is the market leader and the other's taking a big hit. The advantage goes to clients of profit from ERP. Item next. Here we're going to source several articles from different trade papers. Controllers Council notes the trend of technological innovation in the finance office, say it's going to continue. And with the evolution of the accounting and finance team into strategic business partners, how they're evolving within their organizations with better technology. Link on the website. CFO Dive reports there's a trend towards a return to zero-based budgeting. But unlike the slash-and-burn budget cutting that zero-based budgeting was associated with, this round relies more on cloud technology and recognizes that in a post-COVID world, yesterday's budget decisions are no longer relevant to today's economy, and you may need to zero out some non-productive parts of, of, of your company budget. Auditoria has a new concept. They're recording five-minute Zoom videos featuring leading CFOs. They're calling it CFO Corner. And while most of the videos talk about technology and finance, one theme springs clear. While being a data-driven CFO is the ideal, the average accounting office has really a lot of difficulty in presenting good, clean data upon which to base those decisions. Traditional, outdated software is a main culprit. Item next. Digital is okay for those guys, but it won't work for me. I find it amazing that I can now book a haircut through Square with my barber. I, I think she likes me to call a stylist, but my styling days are over. But whatever. The local golf course sends an iCal appointment when I book a tee time. I keep golf scores on the iPhone with a whole 19 app and track bike miles on Strava with the Apple Watch. In other words, all of these digital tools are right where I am. At my laptop, my iPad, my iPhone, my Apple Watch... 
And that's who gets my business because it's easier to book a tea time down the street on the internet than it is to search for other places to play. Our conclusion is the only thing that's certain is uncertainty right now. But one thing that is true is that companies that take a digital approach, are, it's becoming table stakes. You really need to be able to connect with your customers in a better online way if you're going to compete with even the small guys these days. Now, here's something I find really interesting. Small nugget in an article about Kawasaki engines. It's division of Kawasaki Motors, you know, the motorcycles and all that. They have three factories that are producing lawnmower engines in the U.S. In a recent article on the Diginomica website, they talked about using Salesforce so that the at-home workforce could see all the customer communication, whatever channel it came through, whether it was an email, records of a phone call, or, or, or faxes to whatever department it, they happened to talk to. Great use of Salesforce and another reason cloud software works so well in today's distributed workforces. But then came this. Competition with newer companies meant that Kawasaki's traditional customers were getting used to new customer experiences. Here's the thing. A younger generation of workers, people who were raised in their internet era, are now becoming managers and purchasing agents. Doing business like it's 1970 does not work anymore. <laughs> Heck, doing business like it's 2019 doesn't work anymore. Link is right here on the website. And back again to the Wall Street Journal, they report COVID spawned business changes that would have taken years formally unfolded in months. They say it brought 2030 to 2020. And there's no going back. Changes for COVID are now the norm. They talk about changes in car buying with Carvana. Zoom, of course. Apple Music for Entertainment. Jewelry companies. They also talk about the network effect. The more businesses that are on the internet, the more audiences turn first to the internet. It's an interesting article, particularly for those businesses who decided to preserve capital at all costs and ride out the pandemic. Hint, it looks like the pre-COVID economy is not coming back. Time to get moving to go where your customers are now. I realized last night I ordered a pizza, but instead of picking up the phone like I've done for the past 20 years, I went online because it was quicker and easier and they didn't put you on hold. Also, Business spending on logistics, of course, for delivery has gone up, but technology spend has boomed. That means if you didn't pivot, you're already way behind. Link on the website. Final example, here comes Forbes with an article on Copart. It's an actual junkyard that started putting their parts on the internet, and it was so successful, they started buying other junkyards, and now it's a billion dollar with a B business. Junkyards. <laughs> To wrap up, digital transformation is real. Cloud ERP and modern apps are offering you advantages you never got with Great Plains accounting software. We're in a more dynamic time, meaning things change faster than any of us would prefer. Are these software programs costly? Yeah, but the payback is huge. A $100 million company can spend 500,000 on digital systems, but they can also see great bottom line improvements. Five to 7% is not unrealistic. But let's say you only get half of that, 2.5%. That's 2.5 million on a $500,000 investment. Do you see how the systems start paying for themselves in nine months? And we go even further when we do a cost revenue benefits analysis to show you exactly down to the transaction level how this is going to work in your organization. That's how profit from ERP fits into all this. 
or on the business consulting side of this entire project. Call us in. We spend a week or two doing business analysis, less for smaller firms, more for larger firms. We build a budget for the project based on the business case. We help you secure financing if it's needed. We help you work out the SaaS software uh, subscription contracts. We also deliver the cost revenue model showing exactly how, down to the transaction level, how you'll recover the technology spend and how you take the project from a cost center to a revenue center. Then, based on our analysis, we bring in software vendors, our alliance partners. Now these guys, we're not affiliated with these guys, but we've worked with them time and time again. We help you with the initial implementation and go live, and then we continue to work as your internal business consultant to get the returns you set out to achieve. And we're not billing a million hours every week going through it. What's our cost? We're paid up front by billable hours. However, we're revenue neutral in the project as we will help you secure additional software discounts. We're a volume referral partner. We secure greater discounts that way. And we keep our clients out of the cost overrun debacles you hear so much about. So for many smaller firms, we're involved for a short term up front and very limited hours throughout the project. Our larger clients, we're more hands-on throughout. For national and international firms, we're bringing in affiliates from the beginning. Whatever it takes to get the job done, we're gonna bring the right experts to the table when they're needed. We don't try to be everything to all people. So, like I said earlier in the ER podcast, you can call in some pretty big names with not so much direct ERP experience or go direct to profit from ERP, where I'm the director, Gene Hammonds, and I'll be involved in every client engagement, some more than others, but either supervisorily or directly, you'll get profit from ERP. Contact us at info at profitfromerp.com or visit our website, Profit From ERP. And as we like to say, Profit From ERP, our clients make ERP pay.